0: So the Apostle Paul is considered by many to be the greatest Christian that ever walked the face of the earth. His influence on early Christianity is absolutely astounding. He started churches all around the Mediterranean Rim and much of his writing found its way into the New Testament of our Bible. The crazy thing is, that um, in the middle of Paul's, arguably, his most important, his most powerful and influential letter of all his letters that we find in the New Testament, right smack dab in the middle of that letter, Paul makes a shocking confession. And part of the reason why it's so shocking is because of what preceded it. So let me just give you a little bit of context. We're going to be in chapter 7, but in Romans chapter 6, Paul has gone to great lengths to help us to understand that for those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, for for those of us who have the spirit of Jesus in us, because of what Jesus has done on the cross and because of his resurrection— sin and death have no power over Jesus, which means that if he's in us, sin and death ultimately have no power over us either. And so there's this massive rallying cry, sin has no power over you. This is the the point that Paul's trying to make in chapter 6. Sin has no power over you. Sin has no power over you. So with that in mind, check out just a few verses later, we're going to pick this up in Romans 7, starting in verse 14. Check out how staggering this is. Okay? So again, sin has no power over you. Okay? Chapter 6. Here we go. 714. Paul says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. Wait, wait, wait. What? Hold on a second. Is is this still Paul writing? Yes, it is. So he just said, sin has no power over you. And then here he says, I'm sold as a slave to sin. To sin. Anybody else picking up a little disconnect here? Verse 15, Paul continues, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that the good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good. Check this out. But I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Wow. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, It's no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work, Paul says. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. So what do we make of this? This seems so contradictory to what Paul has just been saying in Romans chapter 6. That there are a number Of Christian scholars Who say Because of this contradiction There's no way That this can be the Christian Paul Who is writing These words here This has to be a confession That Paul is making Before he came to know Jesus Christ Before he came to understand this power Of this relationship with God And one of the ways that they do this is they they actually say, "Well, this is this must be pre pre conversion Paul," and um, and so you know they they point to a number of things in there. But one of the one of the big problems that they encounter with this is actually what we find um, in the next couple of verses. So then Paul writes, "For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me." waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. And so here we see this inner struggle, this this conflict, this turmoil that Paul is finding inside of himself. And so the issue with kind of saying, okay, well, this must be like a a pre-Christian Paul talking about before he met Jesus. The main issue with that is when you look at all of Paul's other writings, And all the other places where Paul talks about what his life was like before he became a Christian, before he put his faith in Jesus, we never one time see any sort of turmoil. We never see any conflict. Paul is hard charging, doing his thing. There's absolutely no inner battle. There's no inner struggle. This does not look like a pre-Christian Paul. This looks very much like a Paul who's trying his best to follow Jesus and yet is conflicted, yet is struggling mightily, mightily, and he's making this confession. He goes on in verse 24. Check out these words. What a wretched man I am. Think about this. This is the greatest Christian, arguably, who ever lived. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? What do you guys make of this? (laughs) This is crazy. I mean, does this this confession that Paul's making seems like a totally defeated Paul? I mean, does this basically void what he said just one chapter ago? Does this basically cancel out the power of what he's saying? Hey, listen, sin, it has no control over you. It has no power over you. You have the victory through Jesus Christ. Does it offset that? There are many who find the tension here in Paul's confession absolutely unbearable. I find the tension to be powerful. Because if you think about it, in Romans chapter 6, we have Paul reminding us, yes, through Jesus Christ we have victory over sin and death. Sin has no power over us. But then in chapter 7, you have Paul reminding us of something we often forget with our heroes of the faith, faith. Paul saying, Guess what, guys? Don't forget I'm still human. The struggle is real. So he's saying, We have power through Jesus Christ, to conquer sin. But at the same time, we can still feel like a slave to sin. We can can have great victories, but we can also have agonizing defeats. We can be up on the mountaintop, and we can be down in the valley. To me, this confession, it doesn't cancel out anything Paul was saying before. It's, it's, it's extraordinary because what I think Paul is doing here, this is why I love the Apostle Paul. He's so real, isn't he? I mean, he's basically just describing the, the journey that we, we can all relate to, can't we? I mean, we have our good days, man. We, we, we're killing it. And then we have days where we, we, we can't do anything right. We can totally relate to what Paul is saying here. And I don't know, maybe maybe it just re- resonates deeply with me because this is just kind of my MO as well. I, I, I can't not keep it real. And for those of you who've been uh, part of Grace for a long time, I mean, you know this about me. Uh, you've heard me share all sorts of things, confess all sorts of things, um, talk about different struggles in my life. And one of the, the struggles that, that I talk about from time to time, uh, really, for a pastor, it might be like the, the one thing you're not supposed to ever share, which is my struggle actually with faith, <laughs> my struggle to, to believe, my struggle because I'm, I'm like, I just need so much logic and reason and evidence. I'm, I, I'm kind of nature by nature. I'm a little bit of a skeptical person. And so I'm just always looking for, you know, prove it to me, prove it to me. I'm constantly digging for more. And my brain just has all these questions and questions and questions and doubts that I've shared before. I I doubt the very existence of God sometimes. I'm not ashamed to say that. And you know what's so interesting? What's so powerful? So, you know, from time to time, um, whoever's... uh, Giving a sermon here at grace. We'll we'll get feedback um, on on it and you guys are all very kind because it's not like the awful critical, you know Terrible feedback. It's the it's the like hey that was cool. That was great. You know, that was really that was really positive that was helpful Um, and so from time to time i'll get feedback on on my sermons and um, And you know, what's fascinating to me is that um, I don't get feedback uh, like when I open an email That says like, hey, your sermon from Sunday. I I never get feedback like this. Uh, Derek, just want to say brilliant theological observation. (laughs) Incredible insight. I can't believe how you just, your exposition of, of, you know, Romans was just so brilliant. I I just, I feel so empowered and educated and, you know, it never goes like that. I actually have never received one email like that. Proud to say, okay. Actually, it's fine. I'm good with it. Um, The emails that I get are, hey, Derek, I just want to say thank you so much for what you shared on Sunday. Just being that real, that transparent, sharing about your struggle with faith, wrestling with doubt, questioning God, that's so helpful to me because it's helped me to realize I'm not alone in the struggle. And it's helped me to be more real and more transparent with those around me. And I just, I'm really encouraged. In my face, so so thank you so much. Do you see the power of confession? Do you see that? I mean, you're reading these words from Paul, and I know it's a little—you get a little freaked out. You know what I mean? It's—it's a little unnerving. It's a little unsettling when you've got such a spiritual giant of the faith. We almost want him to be at some sort of like untouchable place, so we can just revere every word that he said. But there's such power in confession, both by Paul and, and just even when you hear someone else confessing something. And, and that's the thing. See, often we think, oh, you know, confession, it's so powerful. And we're thinking through a lens of, like, guilt and shame and being released of that, right? And be, being forgiven by God. And, and certainly those things are in play. But, but let's think about this for a minute. Confession is so powerful to those who are actually hearing the confession. Not only that, it's incredibly powerful to the one who's making the confession. And I want to explain that a bit. Um, So last week, uh, we uh, talked about white bears and red Volkswagens. And one of the things that we discovered is that a surefire way, if you want to, uh, to think about a white bear is to try not to think about a white bear, okay? And that's actually been proven. There's a Harvard um, psychologist uh, named Daniel Wegner who um, basically dedicated his life to something that he later coined ironic process theory. And so what we basically talked about last week is that the white bear, which represents Sin, anxiety, selfishness—you know whatever destructive patterns of thought and behavior are plaguing us in our um, lives—to trying not to do the thing is a surewire, surefire way to focus on the thing, and it puts that white bear right in front of us. And so, uh, we looked at Daniel Wegner's research and uh, and talked about how if you want to know how to defeat the white bear of sin, then basically what you have to do is you have to do something entirely different. You gotta forget the bear altogether and you gotta focus on a red Volkswagen. That was what he made famous anyway. You gotta focus on a red Volkswagen and found tremendous power in that. Not that you never think about the white bear, but you're way, way more successful. And so Paul, in Romans chapter 6, and we talked about this last week, right, is he wasn't just saying, do not sin, you know, don't do these things. You've got power over sin through Jesus. But he says, but rather, offer yourselves to God. And we talked about last week, the red Volkswagen for us is essentially pushing in to what God has for us. Instead of trying to constantly obsess about the negative and avoiding the negative, why not push into the positive? Why not instead focus on, okay, God, what do you have for us? What can How can we offer ourselves to you? And we talked about red Volkswagens at Grace being our, our teams, our volunteer teams, and being a part of making a huge positive difference in the lives and in the spiritual lives of other people here at Grace. And so, um, this is a really powerful thing that, that Wegner discovered, uh, but what I want to talk about this week is, um, is how Wegner's research also found something else that was incredibly powerful for dealing with the white bears, and, um, and that actually is confession. He talks about confession, not necessarily in the classic Christian sense of how we think of the word, but he said, listen, when you when you confess, here's what's happening. Okay, now I'm going to kind of use my own description more than, more than his. Um, so, y- okay, you've got this white bear in your life, whatever that represents for you. And as long as it's this thing that you're holding as a secret, it's almost like you're trapped in a tiny room with a giant white polar bear. Think about that for a second. You're trapped. There's nobody to help you, and that bear is all up in your face. All day long. All the time. You and the bear. And guess who's getting mauled? It's not the bear. Okay? So by confessing, and Wagner talks about the power of confession. When we confess, hey, I'm struggling with this bear. You know what happens? It's like we open the door to the room and we release the bear. We release it. Bear is free to roam around. Okay? So, first of all, we don't have the bear all up in our face. And secondly, now there are people that we have confessed this to. There are people who can relate and understand our struggle, who can be there to help us, to to cheer us on, to encourage us. We're no longer alone, trapped in a tiny room with a white bear. You see the power in that? As uh, James, the brother of Jesus, as he writes in James 5, 16, he says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Don't miss those last few words, so that you may be healed. Yeah, there's a lot of things about confession that are involved, but one of the biggest things is God, God wants us to confess so that we may be healed, so that we may be released from the power of the white bears in our lives. So I just want to ask you today, those of you at West Falls Church and online, is there something today that you need to confess? Is there a white bear that you need to release? Because it's killing you. In the spirit of this, um, I want to make a confession to you all today. And um, I can't believe I'm saying this, but here goes. So ever since I have been a small child, I've been a Cincinnati Bengals football fan. Okay? And that's not the confession, okay? You guys already know that about me. And you know, being a Bengals fan, it's it's kind of like having a drug addiction because you know there there's the promise of a few highs, but for the most part, the journey is just crash and burn experiences. I mean, it's pretty awful. Even if you're not a sports fan, you've probably heard the Bengals have kind of been a laughing stock of the NFL for uh, a number of decades, and. Um, so so it's tough. It's tough being a Bengals fan. But there is this, this beautiful consolation to, to all Bengals fans. And that is the Cleveland Browns. And I got to tell you, man, I, just, you just always, no matter what, how bad of a state the Bengals are in, it's just you can always look to the Browns. In fact, in the 2017 season, they didn't win a single game. It was awesome. It was so... It was so great. But then this crazy thing happened. Um, so in 2018, uh, they had this new rookie quarterback named Baker Mayfield, man. This guy had just all sort of moxie and confidence, and, and he like rallied the whole unit, you know, this, this team that was just in disarray. And uh, through that season, They actually, like, they started to win some games. They actually started to be pretty competitive as a football team. And, um, I mean, they still weren't great. They didn't make the playoffs or anything. But, like, they really became fun to watch. And so I found myself this past football season um, having incredible interest in the Cleveland Browns. And I couldn't figure out why, but I just was always interested in how they did and watching highlights from the Browns games just to kind of see. I was captivated. And um and so you know I, I don't know what's what's happened but um a few weeks ago I got an email from uh from a friend at Grace who is a a big Browns fan. And the Cleveland Browns had acquired one of the best wide receivers in the NFL uh, this offseason, Odell Beckham Jr. And, um, so he had sent me this picture, and you gotta love Cleveland, okay? You gotta love people from Cleveland because the picture is of Odell Beckham Jr. from like when he was with the Giants and he scored a touchdown and he's like, he just looks like, like, he's just amazing how he looks in this picture. He's like, he's just scored, he's like celebrating and he's, but he's like flexing at the same time and he's screaming out like, ah, and, um, he just looks totally jacked up. And somebody from Cleveland has superimposed a Cleveland Browns jersey like onto, onto him, right? And so the, the, all he says in the email, my buddy is, he's like, um, are you scared? <laughs> and you guys, and this is my confession. I wrote him back, I was like, yes, I am. I'm scared. But you know what I'm scared of? I think I'm becoming a Browns fan. I mean, you don't understand. Like, I got peeps back in Ohio where I'm from. They, they will kill me. If they're listening right now, okay, they will kill me. You can't do this. Th- this is like, you know, this is Redskins Nation, like, all of a sudden, cowboys. Okay, you can't. You cannot do this. There are sacred lines that cannot be crossed. Okay? But I just got to confess it to you. Okay? What a wretched man I am. All right? Can you, can you just pray for me, please? Because I... I I'm seriously struggling here. I don't know what's happening. I'm more excited about the Browns than I am about the Bengals this, this coming season. So I'm, I'm in a bad place. Um, and so here, I want to get back to Paul, if we could. Um, so, so Paul is in a very bad place. And again, he said, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? But I love where the confession leads Paul. Paul. Check out where it leads him. He says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, and again, this is still in the spirit of victory, okay, and deliverance as he writes these next words. So then I myself in my mind, am a slave to God's law, but, or you could say, even though in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. Even in the victory, we see the tension between those two things. And I think that's just a very real picture of the Christian life, if we're going to be honest about it. But confession ultimately leads Paul back to his need for Jesus Christ. So we are going to celebrate communion today. A little earlier than we normally do, um, and so i 'm going to ask that uh, our music and communion teams, if you go ahead and come forward and those of you at West Falls Church as well, and uh, if you 're online with us, just go ahead and grab something to eat and drink, and please uh, celebrate communion with us uh, let me Let me tell you what um, what i what 'd like for you to focus on today uh, during communion okay it 's certainly not a white bear okay you 're certainly not focusing on a white bear or trying not to think about a white bear. But what I want to give you the opportunity to do is to use these next few minutes as just sacred space. Sacred space. You can take a breath, clear your mind, and just have the opportunity to be real with God. If there's anything that God brings to mind that you just want to talk to God about, anything that you want to confess, anything that you feel like, man, it's holding you back. This is a wonderful time to do that. And here's why you can do that, okay? Here's why you can be free, to be totally real, totally transparent with God, confess anything at all. I'll tell you why. Because here's what communion is all about. Communion is the celebration of God coming to this earth, in the person of Jesus Christ, and showing us how much He loves us, it's the celebration of God's unconditional love for us. That no matter what we do, no matter what we have to confess, there's nothing that God will ever make God stop loving us. So, in that spirit, I just want to uh, dismiss um, West Falls Church. Pastor John's going to lead you guys in communion. We'll see you back in a few minutes. And here, um, just take these next few minutes, anything that you want to say to God. So when Jesus was with his disciples, he took some bread during that last meal, and he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat. In the same way, he took the cup, and he said, this is my blood, which is poured out for you take and drink. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your incredible sacrificial love that ultimately covers every single white bear in our lives. In Christ's name, amen. So I want to share one last thing with you guys about Paul's confession that is so incredibly powerful. So here we see Paul, and man, is he struggling. He says, I'm sold as a slave to sin. What I hate, I do. I desire to do what's good, but I cannot carry it out. The evil I don't want to do, this I keep on doing. I'm a prisoner of the law of sin. And what a wretched man I am. So we see this incredible, incredible man of God who struggled mightily. But you know what? He didn't let it stop him, did it? Think about that. He never let his struggles, he never let the white bears of his life stop him from pursuing God's call on his life. There's not a single one of us that hasn't been impacted by Paul's ministry. The work he did in the early church, his writings that found their way into the New Testament, we've all benefited from Paul pushing in to God's call on his life to loving God by loving and serving others. And I got to tell you, what I want you to hear right now is, please, do not allow any struggle, any white bear in your life to hold you back from all the amazing things that God wants to do in your life. You could be here today and you're like, whoa, 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 my, my, I don't even know if this is a bear. But... Um, I don't even know what I believe about God or about Jesus, okay? Here's here's the the most amazing thing. You don't have to let that hold you back. You know what Jesus did with people like that? He just said, it's all good, just follow me. Just come on. You will figure it out on the way. I mean, he called crazy people, okay? You can't top some of the people Jesus called. You can't. He just said, come on. Come and jump in and serve. Hand out these loaves and fish, okay? It'll make sense in a minute. So they didn't let it stop them. Don't let it stop you. Maybe you relate to me and struggling with doubt and faith. I don't know what I believe about everything. It's cool. Jump in. Or maybe for you, it's deeper than that. Maybe your struggle is with, you're like, dude, I mean, there's some real serious bears, man. Like, I mean, these bears are killer bears, okay? Derek, if you only knew the skeletons in my closet... Okay, the baggage that I carry, the stories I could tell, I say, welcome to the club. <laughs> welcome to the club. Okay? There's not a single one of us that doesn't struggle with theirs. Not a single person. So please do not allow whatever the struggle is to stop you from pushing in to what God has for you. God has made us to do great things. And so, and we talked about this last week. We're going to talk about it again today, okay? And then we're done, so it's all right if you're tired of hearing about it. But what what we're going to talk about right now, and I want everybody to do this, even if you did it last week, okay? So I want you to pull out your bulletin, okay? Open it up, and find that sheet that says Teams on it, okay? Because this is an incredible way to push in to what God has for you, to serve God by serving others, to be a part of the greatest message that God has ever laid on this earth, and if you don't have a, a bulletin, you're with us online. Uh, you prefer your phone? Go to bitly/slash Grace Team signups. Okay. Now, this isn't the only way that you can love and serve God, but man, I'm just we're just hand delivering it to you. And what I want to just remind everybody of is, as you're looking at this and you're looking at all these different teams and ways that you can serve and contribute in great ways, here's the thing. Okay? You got to hear me on this. All right? If you check one of those boxes, it is only signing up for a test drive. There is no uh, long-term commitment that's involved. You're simply going to go and you're going to shadow one of these teams just to go behind the scenes and figure out what these teams are all about. Um, at that point, if it's something that you really enjoyed, um, then you can say, hey, this is great. I, I want to get on the list to where I get that email and I can kind of sign up based on my schedule. Maybe it's once a month. Maybe it's once a quarter. Maybe it's every week, whatever it is. Or maybe you want to try out a different team. And we'll have that conversation with you. Okay. We know this is DC. We know you're crazy busy. Okay. So it's, it's just, it, we trust me, we make this work based on what works for you. And um, also just want to share that if you're like, okay, well, you know, where's the biggest need? Where do I sign up? How do I have the most impact? Here's how you have the most impact. Serve where you're excited. All right. So here's the thing. You know yourself, don't you? I mean, if you geek out over like sound and lights and music and stuff like that, if you're like kind of an auditorium person, okay, sign up for worship arts. Just pick one of those teams, check a box. Don't overthink it. If you like kids, sign up for kids. There you go. It's easy. Okay. Okay. No theological experience needed. If you like people, sign up for first impressions. If you hate people, behind the scenes. Okay? There you go. All right? Simple as that. And, um, and then once you do, um, if you could, just go ahead and, um, and just, as you make your way out into the lobby here at uh, West Falls Church, Um, you can drop off those sheets there or just uh, click the submit button on that Bitly link on your phone and away we go. Um, And it's just, it's so cool to think about the almost 100 people who jumped in and uh, are taking test drives right now. And I just, I don't want you to miss out. Uh, So let me pray for us. Uh, Lord God, thank you so much for how in your brilliance you have preserved this letter, this this confession from the Apostle Paul for almost 2,000 years. And here it is for us to see. God, we're so grateful that you didn't allow any of the white bears in Paul's life to stop him from pushing in to what you had for him. And, And I just pray, God, that for every single person, you would not allow them in any of their struggles to make them miss out on the best that you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen.